right. Well, for those that are going to see this later on, I'm not really sure what this is going to be called. We're just going to say it's called Tina's Quarantine Chats. And rightfully so, we start with Joanna, who we've known each other for quite a while, but this beautiful friendship has come come afloat much later in knowing each other. Um, it's actually funny. I was thinking about this the other day when I was like, okay, I'm going to talk to Joanna. And... If anyone knows my mother, she has a strong Long Island accent. And she's like, oh, I remember Joanne on all those like websites growing up. She was so good as a da da da. So it's kind of funny to like know who you were from afar and now just be incredibly close friends. But um, yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know who Joanna is, she is from North Carolina. She played club soccer for Castle, was a touted recruit growing up. Everyone knew who Joanna was, national team, youth national team star. What is it? When did you, uh, uh, let's call it, commit to North Carolina? It had to have been... Eighth grade. Eighth grade, yeah. That was the talk of the town, man. I know, I know. Like, I know. I'm going to high school, and this kid, like... I know. And so, always was going to be a car heel. Yeah. Hometown yeah. girl from Raleigh. Um, so, really, honestly, you were on that high for a while, um, I know so. we talked about the other day in terms of how people can relate to you because your journey is kind of like this different beaten paths at different times. And um, obviously we'll get into it, but you know, you go to North Carolina, you do pretty well your first two years, you're playing a lot and then just kind of plagued by injury. Um, <laughs> and honestly a very rough way two back-to-back ACLs. Um, and then, I think kind of like having that chip, I mean, I can imagine, again, we'll get into it, but just having gone through that, not even knowing when you're going to play again, and obviously you proved a lot of people wrong getting drafted to Boston and then eventually making your way to getting a lot of playing time in Orlando this last year. So um, again, I just kind of wanted to tell people about your story and and you tell it yourself because I think there's a lot of young girls and older people and um, that can relate to kind of being on a high and then getting knocked down and, and just kind of having to weave your way through different situations. So yeah, I guess we'll start with um, your youth. Joanna was very much known for her image as well. If you ever met Joanna on a soccer field as a young kid, which I had a couple times in travel soccer. Apologies for whatever happened, whatever I did. I don't know. Yeah, what no, I did, you didn't do I... anything, but it was always funny because I couldn't miss you. No one could miss you like a sore thumb because you literally, had this bun on your head I was like how does this girl keep a bun on her head like that I mean well, you had balls story. left and right and this thing yeah. was like boom well it's a funny story because like when just with the bun like when I was growing up up until kindergarten like I wore I had my hair in a bob and I had a bow big bow like people call me Boanna I had a huge bow on my head and I never took it off and so then at kindergarten, I finally told my mom, I was like, listen, I'm done with this. I'm letting my hair grow out. She's like, okay, great, cool. So from then on, like my hair has never been short and I hate, I have a lot of hair. So if I wore it in a ponytail, it will like break into like two or three like things, like ponytails like come to the side. So my mom actually started like putting it up in a bun for me. And did you, did you ever do like, um, like indoors and like, like games like we had yeah, indoor yeah, yeah. nationals with mm-hmm. uh, next level so we would go up to uh maryland and we play these big tournaments and um before the final one time like my hair wasn't tight 
and it was going to fall out and I knew it. And so my coach like tried, like went around searching for my mom it was like a two story, like indoor facility. And like my mom, like fixed it real tight for me and like we ended up winning, but it was like, I remember, I actually remember when I figured out how to do it myself. Cause it was like, my mom was like, honey, you're like old enough. Like you need to figure out like how to do your hair, like how you want it. And so I remember I was at my grandmother's house in Shelby, North Carolina, and I started fiddling with it and I finally got it. And that sucker was tight. Didn't move. move. Well, shout out to Wendy. Yeah. Shout out to Wendy. But also I guess shout out to parents generally. Yes. I think for any young kid that watches this, that's still in club soccer, still playing generally your parents honestly when I look back and I'm like the amount of games they drove me to the amount of times they did my hair the amount of times they bought me cleats and everything else it's you know those are the I mean that's a whole nother story I left my cleats in Burlington and my parents like drove to Dick's and got me a pair of cleats and I played that game right talk about that a little bit like growing up right you're you kind of make a name for yourself rather young, you know, you're in middle school, you're doing really well, you're on a good club team. And um, I mean, when you put that in perspective, right? Like, I mean, eighth grade is, I mean, that's still not the norm. I mean, mm-hmm. kids are getting recruited much younger now, but um, talk about that process of, you know, balancing kind of what maybe felt like pressure, but also, you know, you're still a young kid, you have school, you're playing a lot, you're getting called into a lot of youth camps. Um, how did that kind of play out for you? And, and what, what can you yeah. take from that now? So for me, I, um, I'm from Raleigh and pretty much my whole club team, the majority was from Cary, um, about 30 minutes away. And we all did this indoor um, training kind of facility in, in program next level Academy that kind of raised all of us that the core group of our club team came from. There was about 10, 11, 12 of us that stayed together since we were like seven, eight until we were 18. Um, and some of them went to college with me. So for me, I came in kind of the Raleigh kid and, um, I was a year younger than all of those girls and I wasn't as good as them because they'd been in the program maybe a year or so longer than me. And from, I feel like from the moment that I started playing, I I always felt that like I was chasing them and I was chasing, um, your ex teammate, Alexa Schaffer, um, Claire Wagner, Shaffrey, Alexis Degler, Alexis Schaffer, Claire Wagner, um, these players that were older than me, a year older than me. And um, I always kind of felt that drive and I wanted to be better than them. So I just outworked every person in every session every day of the week and then went home and did extra because I wanted to be in that top group and I wanted to be, you know, doing the demos and Um, so from a young age, that kind of drove me. And then, um, I was then pulled up with them, uh, to then with the youth group or the youth age group was called YTS. We had, um, at Castle before everything kind of restructured. And then that's when I kind of started, um, you know, feeling not a part of them, but I was with that group and, and, and starting to, to develop into, the player I was, I look back on it and that's really like the only time that like, I always felt like I was always trying to get a next step and a next level and a next, how do I outwork everyone? How do I become better at this? How do I come be, like, become better at this? I remember watching YouTube videos of like Casey Nagara, UNC Tar Heel, 
juggling her and Tobin. I'm like, okay, how does she juggle like that? And I like figured out how to juggle my toes. So like I did a lot of like self-teaching and just hard, hard work. I just love soccer. I loved it and I wanted to be the best. So then what about, you know, and I think people, this is important to highlight, but you, you did very well academically throughout your mm-hmm. um, career, not only in high school, but you did well at North Carolina. Um, being so passionate about soccer, you know, I think not that it came easy to you, but you know, you loved it so much. You were willing to put in the time. Um, but I also think like a, a lot of kids, it's, it's stressful these days. You have a lot of work and you're in school and then you may have double training on a certain mm-hmm. day. What, what would you, what advice would you give young kids right now that are, um, you know, loving and very passionate about their sport, but also recognizing that the academic piece is, is really important. And, and how did that play into, um, or, or how much of weight was that in your decision to go to North Carolina and how much of importance was that for them to kind of let you in with your academics? Yeah. So kind of the reason that I always wanted to do so well in school is that I wanted to be an all around a great you know, academically, athletically, I wanted to, I wanted to be great in everything that I do and still do. Um, and so for me, if I wanted to stay after practice, I had to get my homework done. I wanted to stay after and work on free kicks. Or if I wanted to stay, I didn't want to have that pressure of like, I can't do what I want in the sport because of school. So for me, I would always do, I think the best advice I can give is utilize all of your school time that you're at school. There are plenty of times and in minutes in the day that you're able to, you know, crank out that math homework or, you know, crank out whatever you can do in those, you know, 10 minutes that you have that the teacher gives you and kids are just talking and, you know, you know, shooting around, shooting the shit around and like (laughs) just where you can just pull out your textbook, kill five problems. And now you can stay after practice and work on your free kicks. Um, That was kind of my mindset all through, all through school. And, I think for, you know, advice for kids is that you don't want the academics to hold you back from your dream school. So if your dream school, for example, is UVA or UNC or Stanford or some of these great athletic schools, you've got to be able to make the cut academically as well. And I think that's most important is don't let your academics hold back your athletics. Absolutely. And, and that's a, a really big, big concept, I think that needs to be instilled at a young age. So I think we can both relate to the fact that to get to that level and, and to play for some of those universities, it takes a lot of effort and time um, at a younger age and, and you do have to sacrifice um, some of the social aspects of your life as mm-hmm. well, some of the fun that you you know look back on in high school that you missed out on. I guess uh, part of my question too is, is how did you, and again, I can recall for myself, I, I wasn't always perfect at it. And there's definitely times where I made it way too stressful at such a young age. How, what kind of advice looking back to you have for people who are like, I'm passionate. I know I can get there, but I also, this has become so routine and so regimented that I'm losing my love for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I think we underestimate the importance of still loving your sport and having fun with it and making sure you're not just saying, I want to go to North Carolina. That's the end all be all. And if that doesn't happen, I'm a failure. How, how would you, looking back at your old self, how, how would you have maybe navigated that or, or what advice do you have in terms of maybe where it didn't go well and now looking back, you're like, I could have made these changes. Yeah, I think that when you're growing up and you're developing, the drive has to come from within yourself. 
rather than kind of exterior things. So like if your parents are putting you in all these um, extra things and in, in, I think where I developed most was in the front yard of like, how do I create scenarios in my head that I can see in the game? So like me, for example, we have at my house, we have like a two, two car garage. So there's like a panel, like a panel in between the two garages. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so for me, I would, and it, I mean, it's probably like a yard, maybe yard and a half wide. And I'd stand on in my driveway and I'd take a touch and I right foot, how many pass, how many times can I get out of 10, hit that spot and that, like that consistency is being able to create that in your head translates to the game rather than just being able to go through cones. And right. I think the ability to be able to create that is the exciting part of the game. So like being able to create certain things and be creative, that's what kind of kept me going rather than, oh, I want to play at North Carolina or I want to play EVA or I want to play at Stanford. Right. That was what drove me. It was like, it was just so fun to like try to hit a certain square in the garage and then my dad get mad and have to like fix it. But like being able to do those things was the most rewarding part. Yeah, I mean, I think that puts a lot of perspective into your story and that, you know, I think a lot of people from afar would have said, wow, you know, she committed, he had North Carolina mm -hmm. at eighth grade. Why not just be like, all right, I'm going to chill now. Like I got my school. Um, and I know from my experience, <laughs> there's a difference between getting into university and being recruited by one and then walking on campus and having yeah. to perform and it not just be now, okay, I checked that box. What's next? Um, so maybe let's transition a little bit into your college career mm -hmm. and talk a little bit about that. So obviously, as we said, you had a lot of success through club and, you know, I think you had a good relationship going to North Carolina, but again, if anyone plays soccer, they know the North Carolina Tar Heels and the history that goes there and um, the quality of players that are generally there from year to year. So it's not a matter of, I got recruited, I'm going to automatically play if I mm -hmm. know. Um, so talk about kind of that entry process of being like, okay, I'm on the campus. I'm a freshman. Um, how was that transition from you, for you from club soccer uh, off the bat? And, and what did you learn in that first year? Yeah. So for me, I, so I, Anson actually didn't know how old I was when I, when he was recruiting me. So I technically, even though I was in eighth grade, he thought I was a sophomore. And to know Anson, it makes total sense because I love him, but he's kids like Einstein, right. he's scatterbrained. Um, so we actually came to the decision that I would graduate high school in three years because my entire life I'd always played up and it would kind of, I didn't even think about it, but he's like, have you ever thought about graduating a full year early? And I was like, no, but like, that sounds great. Like that's the age group that I, you know, with national team, I was a young, young 95. I was in November. So pretty much all the girls were older than me. Oh my gosh, you're still older than me? Yeah. So all the girls, oh, yeah. Funny. Everybody's yeah. older than me in I know. five years. So okay. I know. It's um, so everyone was way older than me. And I was like, you know what, like, what would I do once I, they all graduate? I never thought about that. So I ended up graduating a full year early and was coming in um, at 17. And, you know, I was coming in as a freshman with Crystal Dunn and Kaylee Ojai and these huge names that they just came off of winning a national championship. And unbelievable players. And what I love about Anson is 
throughout, you know, from the time that I committed and to the time that I got there until now, he's so honest. He's, I could call him right now and he would pick up the phone. Like he's just so, he's a great communicator. And so from, you know, I knew that, you know, nothing was given to me. I knew I had to earn whatever I got. And I, you know, I was going to try to go in and, you know, start, but I mean, when you have Crystal done in front of you, you've obviously got to look at another position. Um, so yeah, it was, it's a huge, huge learning experience. And I, I loved my freshman year, the, the, the seniors, the Crystals and, and the K's, they were phenomenal to, to the freshmen on a seal off. Um, those girls were, were phenomenal welcoming us in. And, you know, for me, I loved every second of it. That's what I wanted since I committed. And since I was a little kid, you know, watching Hayo play, watching Casey Naguerre, watching Tobin play. So being able to be a part of that, I was just really soaking it all in. Um, you know, I got my 10 minutes. I, I would always get 10 to 12 minutes every half, seven in for, for Crystal. Um, since two lines, was, always. Yeah, yeah. Glorious. But it was, um, it was, you know, it was difficult. I, I mean, it's not, it wasn't easy to accept that, you know, from my entire life, I started and played every game. Right. It was barely taken out. So then to, to, you know, go in and, and not start and play 90 minutes, I think that was a bit of a, um, a difficult swallow, but when it's crystal done, I mean, right. You can't complain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and not to backtrack, but I thought, I think you brought up a really good point in that. And I can speak from my own experience when you get recruited at a really young age, especially now, right. These athletic departments have all these beautiful facilities and offerings. And, um, I think it's difficult at times for young kids to not get caught up in the glitz and the glam. Mm -hmm. um, and being somebody that had transferred in her career, you know, Steve is very similar to Anson in the sense that it's pretty straightforward. You're never guaranteeing or promised anything. Um, that was not always the case on my recruiting visits. I definitely had the red carpet pulled out at certain places and, and not at others. But um, talk about that in a little bit, just the importance of transparency and, and what you think young kids should recognize as they're going through the recruiting process um what aspects of it the school they should really consider uh especially being someone which we'll get into after that who had gone through over a year and a half of injury where you're not you're, you're more a student at North Carolina than you are a player during that time I and mean, you're rehabbing but you're not as ingrained yeah. in the day-to-day -day, so I think it's super important you know some of the girls that I you know have trained and, and talked to as they're kind of going through this process I was the key is where will you be happy if everything soccer related is going down the dump? And for me, I'm a homebody. I love my family. I love North Carolina. I'm a very Southern girl at heart. So for me, I have that comfortable, the comfortability, like that, that ability to feel at home there. And I think it's important that wherever you go, that you enjoy the academics, that you enjoy the campus, that you're able to, you know, put your heart and soul in somewhere else. And I think that as well as, you know, the school and the fit and the, the soccer side on that sense, but it's super important that the academics, that it's going to challenge you, that it's, that you love the campus, that, you know, whatever those outside soccer, those check marks, whatever they tick for you, I think that's really important that you look, you look into that for right. sure. So, Considering your story, I mean, up to now, right, we're talking about your success as a youth player, you're recruited really young, you're, you go into North Carolina, coming off a national championship, 
um, I would say it's an accomplishment to have gotten as much playing time as you did as a freshman and then mm -hmm. really start to hit your speed in your second year. Um, had a great second year in North Carolina um, and then, you know, get played with an ACL in your spring mm -hmm. season. Um, and not to do a spoiler alert, but Joanna actually tore her ACL twice um, before so you tore it the second time, in, was it a few weeks prior to being cleared or you had just been cleared from your first? So I tore my, okay, so sophomore year, healthy. And then junior year, you, our team had seven ACL tears. Um, so I tore my ACL going into the NCAA tournament right after we lost to FSU in the semis of the ACC tournament. So it was that practice on that Sunday. So we played FSU Friday practice Sunday, tore it then, and then that was November, and then came back in August and tore my other one, so within eight, eight months maybe, um, so I was planning on redshirting, I'd already like been contemplating that of, you know, I wasn't going to be, you know, I'd be getting minutes here and there, and, and I didn't want that to be my senior season, right. so I was going to redshirt, and then um, redshirt, and then, you know, play my next year, but I wasn't expecting to recover from an eight, another ACL to then. Yeah, so, so let's dive into that because I think that's, you know, that's definitely not a norm, at no. least not my experience. I know a lot of people that have torn their ACL. Um, so for one, obviously incredibly devastating to have torn it prior to being in the NCAA tournament. You're right in the thick of the mm -hmm. season, the most exciting part of the season. So, um, and we were kinda, we were number one in the country that junior year. Right. Like so, we were moving, we were rolling, and then the ACL just started going on our team. And we right. ended up that NCAA we lost in the second round. So we went from number one in the country to losing in the second round yeah. of the tournament to Texas A&M at Clemson. We didn't even host. Right. So, so let's talk about kind of – maybe we'll take it in two parts. We'll talk about your first ACL. Mm -hmm. Um because I would say, you know, there's no question that up to that point you knew the importance of hard work. Um, I'm sure there was many mental challenges that went into, you know, playing time and things of that such. But in terms of really having your first major hurdle, that seems to be an outlier in your career. Talk about kind of first how you worked through that first phase, so recovering from it, and then kind of building up that, you know, excitement, like I, I've, I've put in the time, I've put in the work, and then obviously just having a devastating blow and, and being like, okay, well, what is going to be eight months is now 16 months of recovery. Um, yeah, just kind of walk us through how that went for you and, and what are your big takeaways for anybody that may be going through injury right now or, or has gone through it and, you know, can relate. Yeah. So for us, we had four girls that tore it around three weeks of each other. Um, and so we were all kind of grouped together and grouped together in our rehab. And initially that, that can be okay, but, you know, I trusted the people around me and ended up, you know, the, the four people that tore their ACL were di way different body types, um, you know, way different body types. And so I didn't recover as well as I thought I was recovering, if that makes sense. So right. It's also hard not to the, compare yourself. I recognize that. Say again? It's, it's hard not to compare yourself to people's yeah, journeys yeah, and recovery. You're yep. like, I just want to be back. So. And the things that caused my tear were not really addressed 
or fixed, I would say, when I was going through the first process. And, you know, I you followed that. that bar, if you don't mind. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I was never really able to activate my glutes. I was never really able to get into positions where I could activate my glutes. So I was super, I still am, but I was super, super quad dominant. And right. my quads would immediately take over in certain exercises where it really should be the hamstrings and the glutes taking over. So when I'd be going through these, you know, exercises, you know, if I'm doing a glute bridge, I wouldn't be able to rotate my pelvis. So then I could activate my glutes and my hamstrings, my quads would just do it. And so those, those small things. And then when, once you start adding, you know, squats and, and hex bars, you're not, if I can't do a glute bridge, right. I can't, I'm definitely not doing those right. right. So came back um, and followed that standard, you know, this, this, and this, this is when you run, this is when you do such and such. So I followed that, you know, trusted in that. And um, I actually ended up having a ton of scar tissue in that knee and I was actually in a lot of pain. Um, but I was cleared to, um, you know, I started easing back in training, things felt good. I felt decent. Um, and I remember it was preseason. I finally was feeling good. I pinged the ball out wide and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna take this player on. I go, I do a scissor and I go, as I scissor, I was going to roll it on my scissor. My knee went in and I immediately, immediately knew. Um, it cracked. The boys field heard it. Like for some reason, my ACLs sound like a gunshot. Like some people like don't really, like they don't really make too much of a noise, but mine like were loud. Pretty much everyone heard it. Um, I knew immediately. And for me, kind of going back to the first process and, and how I kind of explain it is the fact that I didn't really accept that it was torn. Like I didn't fully, like I was never fully okay with it. And I was never fully, I was like in denial. Right. Even when I toured it the first time I was like, brace me up, put, play me into like, just like, yeah. I look back, I'm like, I was like, no, that's never going to happen. Um, things that like, you know, I just wasn't, I didn't come to terms with it. And that also was a part of it. And so once that second one hit, thank goodness my parents lived 30 minutes away. Um, I called, I called my mom because my dad was at work and she immediately came at me because I knew, and we kind of set this goal that, you know, I would be back. I dropped my business major because I hated it. Um, dropped my business major. And from then on, like I gotten somehow with, Chris Gores, trainer Gores on social media, he's been an angel in my life. And, and the way I actually, you know, able to get in touch with him was through Yael Averbush, who played at UNC. And so she would play pickup all the time when I was a young youngster coming along in, in Raleigh. And she'd always invite me to pickup games. So we had kind of a relationship then, her post UNC and me pre UNC. Right. And she played in Washington where Chris, kind of started doing, um, making a name for himself in the personal training. And he doesn't even call himself a personal trainer. It's like a straight, he's just like Chris. Yeah. Um, and so I, I really liked what he did on social media. And so I, I was like, I talked to my mom and she's like, you know, honey, just reach out, like reach out to IL, see if he'll like, you know, talk to you or whatever. Cause he's up in DC. And 
So I immediately reached out to the IL. She's like, let me get, let me, um, you know, he wants to FaceTime you. So go ahead and y'all like, I'm connecting y'all. And from then on, after the conversation, he was like, you should, you know, you are an individual. You should be treated as an individual after leaving that phone call and finding out that where he was located was five minutes from my mom's best friend's daughter who are like family with us that I'd be able to stay. And so immediately hung up that call and like started crying because I knew like I was in good hands at that point because I knew, you know, if it was a soccer drill, I'd be able to create it in my head. I'd be able to, you know, fix the problem. But like, I don't know how to fix my glute problem. Like, I don't know how to activate my, I, I couldn't figure it out. And I needed someone's help. And he was phenomenal. And so from then on, I had class on Tuesday and Thursday only, but I had three. And so I had Monday, Wednesday, Friday off because I dropped all my business classes. And every month I would drive up to DC with my mom, which was about five hours. Spend four days there training, you know, working with him. He'd give me a plan and I'd just keep that process going. And, um, yeah, it was, it was hard. It was very hard, exhausting, but it was the most rewarding, rewarding experience I've ever had. I think you bring up a really good point too about, you know, I always say about being an athlete, there's so much value that comes out of the hard work and the structure and, and knowing how to kind of grind through a lot of things at once. But um, I also think at times too, when you're taught so much about being resilient, it can be mm -hmm. difficult to humble yourself and say, Hey mom, Hey coach, you know, I need help. Um, mm -hmm. And I find that I didn't even know that about, <laughs> we're so close. I didn't even know that aspect of your story. And um, I think it makes a good point for all people that are going through injury that one, you have to go at your own pace, but two, yep. you have to be willing to let people in to kind of help you. Um, and I think that that can be challenging in any aspect of life, but especially when a lot of things are out of your control and, and your journey may be two months longer than someone else's or quicker and, um, and I think the um, most important thing that I learned is that you have control of your rehab. You have control of the people who are going to help you. You're the one who has that control. So it may not be easy and it may not be, um, you know, I had to drive five hours and I had to, you know, not work with, you know, the UNC side, but like you try, you know yourself well enough that you know what's best for you and your family knows what's best for you. And you want to surround those, surround yourself with those people during a rehab process. And, you know, my God bless my mom driving all those hours and, and helping me and, and God, honestly, God, Chris is an, I mean, Chris is straight up yeah. an angel and I, he knows this, I always tell him, but like, I would not be playing or I'm not playing anymore, but I would not have continued my career if it wasn't for him. Um, and yeah, he's, he always says, I'm just doing my job. I'm like, you're, you know, you're incredible. <laughs> like you're the best. Um, but yeah, yeah and, and Anson was absolutely phenomenal in letting me kind of dictate my own rehab. And, and, you know, I think that came from the trust that he saw in me the first three years of how hard I worked and how, you know, I did all the little things right. And, and he let me pretty much do me based off of my history of how hard I work and, and how much I care about the game. Right. So obviously, you know, it was great that you got through that and, and you had a, a great senior season for yourself. Um, 
and we're able to utilize these people to help you. Um, so now when you look back at it in terms of like transitioning into playing professionally and making that choice, but also just going through that situation, like what, what did you take out of that? And also, I know we've talked about it, but obviously you're, I would say at this point, you're one of those people that's really good about being in tune with your body. And I think that's a big struggle for a lot of athletes is like knowing when to pull back. We're oftentimes so much overtrained um, because our capacities are so wide. Um, what, what would advice you have now about kids that, you know, you want to put the work in and it's important to be dedicated, but you also want to be sure that you're not overdoing it to the point where you are prone to injury or you're not being effective in your training because you're so tired from never taking a rest. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about like how that maybe brought you back to kind of learning more about your body and, and what you need, not what anyone else needs, but what you need as you yeah, move career? Absolutely. I mean, for me, I knew up until my injuries began, like I was staying after shooting free kicks, fitness, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, once you have two major surgeries on your knees and you're coming back and you just are trying to stay healthy, you know, that may not be the best decision. And I really had to be like, okay, like my knee is sore today. I cannot do anything extra. Or like, I am feeling good. I can, I can do extra. It's, it's not based on what you want in your heart. You have to listen to how you feel physically. And that was a, that was a learning curve, but I don't think it was as hard for me because I was so, I was out of the game so long. I wouldn't want to do anything that would jeopardize me not, you know, having the opportunity to play every single day. So right. if it, if it required me to not do extra sessions or not do mm -hmm. that extra fitness that I normally would have for 14 years of my life, if that was the case, then, you know, I was willing to accept that. So then I could continue to, to play and, and train and put everything I had in the training session. So I think because I was out for I was too scared to jeopardize my ability to play. Right. So, you know, you go through North Carolina your senior year, you do well, you get drafted to Boston, um, Boston Folds, which mm -hmm. is a transition. And then you end up, you know, being reallocated to Chicago. Um, and I, I'll let you speak to your Chicago experience. I think overall you enjoyed being in Chicago, but again, faced with the adversity of, you know, putting a lot of time and effort in, not really playing, not really, you know, now it's your career. You're not really earning a lot as many of us know that the soccer industry is not necessarily super lucrative for players. Um, talk about the, that facing another adversity, right? You've, you've faced multiple months of injury and going through that. And what made you not just say, you know what, forget this, I'm over it. Like, I'm just going to move on. I, you know, I went to UNC, like what, what in your mind made you persevere through, again, being in a period where you're not playing, you're not getting that time, but you're still putting in the work. You're still adding value to a team that you're not necessarily showing minutes, but, but your values there in another sense. So talk about that. Experience. Yeah. So I come in, um, obviously not drafted, originally drafted by Chicago, drafted by Boston. And so that was kind of, no one knew that was uncharted waters for everyone. And so the way that worked was whoever drafted, um, you know, say, for example, Rosie White was Chicago drafted her from Boston. They picked up her contract. 
I was, I didn't even have time to make the roster for Boston, but they had my rights. So Chicago technically drafted my rights. So the way that worked was sign me or not sign me. They had my rights in the NWSL the whole entire year. Wow. Yeah. So it's not like I could have just picked up and gone to Orlando that year or picked up and gone to another team. Chicago owned my rights. And so I couldn't go anywhere, even though they didn't sign me. They only had like, I think two, they didn't have a lot of, I don't need, their roster is pretty packed. If I can remember, um, they signed Emily, my, one of my best friends from, um, she's a goalkeeper. They signed her. And I think that was all the rookies. Um, so it was tough. I mean, going through that process, but you know, I was still, let's see, August, September, April. I mean, I was maybe eight months out of my, you know, coming back. Right. So at that time I was still just loving, I was just so happy to be playing again and so happy to be out there that, you know, granted it was so difficult, you know, watching the games and not traveling and, and, you know, that part. But for me, I had the most amazing host family uh, that I could ever, I mean, we still contact my host dad all the time. Um, I talked to them weekly They're, you know, they all came to my wedding. I love them with all of my heart. Like I would do anything for them. They do like, so the blessings that came out of Chicago are incredible. I met one of my best friends. I met, you know, so many close friends in, in that team was, was phenomenal. I loved practices. I loved being a part of, you know, everything that they did. Um, and for me, I think because I was playing and I was practicing and I was doing so well at practice and I was, you know, hanging with Julie, hanging with Sam, right. you know, hanging with, you know, the best players in the world and doing very well when I would play against them, you know, play with them. And like, I knew I deserved to be on the roster. I knew I deserved to play, but that wasn't like, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't in the cards that year. And so I knew what made me, you know, decide not to just step out then was because I knew I could, I knew I could, and I was performing and I was doing what, you know, I needed to do. It just wasn't the right fit in terms of the soccer side. Um, you know, their midfield roster is some literally stacked <laughs> some of the best, I mean, the best in, 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 in the league. And so I knew situationally it wasn't the right place for me, but right. everywhere, everywhere else, you know, it hit all the boxes and I, I love all the people there. I love the city. I love, um, you know, my host family, just everything about Chicago minus, you know, when reality hits and you see them playing and you're not that's when it was really, really tough. Yeah. No, I was just saying that, you know, I think you talked about obviously self-confidence and the importance of that and um, having, a, having, you know, the confidence in yourself to say, okay, despite what maybe others are saying or my environment, I can persevere and pursue something. Um, and so also I, I think the idea about people is really important in having the right people in my in your life and my life. And uh, for those that don't know, me and Joanna met when I, you know, was ending my career in Europe. I had moved to Raleigh, literally knew not a soul, maybe Alexis, but I don't even think she was there at the time. Mm-mm. And um, we met through Morgan Stern, shout out. But um, yeah, you were, you were very inspirational to me because, you know, I was done with soccer at that point. 
um, but I had known, obviously, we, I have a lot of friends in Chicago. I'd known about your season. It wasn't like you were coming off this like rookie of the year season. You had gone through adversity. Um, and I remember you'd meet up and, and around Raleigh and you were always like putting in time to train and, and finding people to do pick up with. And, um, you know, again, we had talked about it, you had this opportunity to go to Orlando, but again, it's like college. They didn't say, Joanna, you come and you're, here's a contract waiting and you're mm-hmm. going to start and play. Um, but obviously you had the confidence that if you were given the opportunity, you would take advantage of it, which kudos to you. You had a great year last year. Um, and that speaks a lot to who you are, but I, I, I would love to hear a little bit too about, and if people, for people that don't know you, um, I would say most people that have met you and don't even don't know you personally, but even maybe do know you personally would say that you're, you're one of the more positive people that I've ever met. I think generally um, you're not rather negative. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's why you have such a presence because you're always smiling and happy and fun to be around. And, um, but as we know from what you've told in your story thus far, it's not always been easy and I'm sure no. you haven't always been smiling. So, you know, now to talk about it, Joanna actually just retired from the NWSL. Um, and you can talk about the reasons for why you did that, but, um, I know it was a difficult decision for you. And I know there's still a lot of us that <laughs> at times struggle with the acceptance of, of having that kind of move away from our identity and saying, okay, as much as it's okay to believe that you want to continue, it's okay to say, I'm done, I'm done playing and I have more worth in the world and who I am to be okay with that decision. So talk a little bit about one, your just like your positivity. I think generally that's a fair assessment of you, but also um, how you got to this decision and kind of what you've been working through to kind of come to an acceptance. It may have not come yet. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about that. Yeah, so, um, wait, what was the first part? Oh, positivity. Yeah, so, I would say the like going back, I kind of split my, my recovery into like my first recovery and my second recovery. And my first process, I know I touched on it, but it was just mentally, physically, it was, I was just in a terrible place. And because I didn't accept it and I didn't, you know, come to terms with it and something my mom, bless her. I love her. She's a strong, strong woman. Wendy, and, you know, yeah, girl. she, yeah, she would always let me, you know, obviously there's times to, you know, be emotional. There's times to, to, you know, feel bad and, and have those feelings because you have to have those in order to move on. But I was kind of sitting in those feelings. And, you know, one day my mom finally was like, you've got to get like, this is the reality. It's not changing. There are people out there who do not have legs. You have two health, perfectly healthy legs and one is just repaired. Like, get up, stop moping, get on with it. And, you know, for me, once the second one happened, I really, my whole demeanor changed my whole mindset changed, everything changed. And I think it all stemmed from that kind of turnaround and being accepting it and, and knowing that, you know, I wouldn't be playing for a certain amount of time. And that was just the fact. And so how do I become positive in the little things that I'm doing? And, you know, kind of transitioning once I started playing and then once I kind of was in Chicago and once I was in Orlando, I was just so happy to, to be playing that, that like the positivity and the smiles and everything that is is so genuine because of how grateful I was to be playing and how grateful I am and how much I love the sport just kind of like came through during those times because it was taken away from me for 20, 21, 22 months. 
So just that pure joy of loving the game and being able to play it. Um, is that true? Was that true positivity on the yeah. field? So the positivity pieces, I think, again, you're really good at bringing up great points, but the, the I think just mindset so important. And mm-hmm. I would agree every time, you know, you are so genuine, I think it's a really important thing to highlight, especially when you consider like where we are in the world right now. Yeah. I definitely yeah. think like you lost something, right? Like you were taken, soccer was taken away from you without your control. And I think right now, right? Like I can't even go to the grocery store. It's taken from me. I can't go to the gym. It's taken mm-hmm. from me. And I think part of it's perspective and, and trying to sustain that again, like you're going to have moments, but all of those kind of struggles and you know, it taken away is made. I'm not saying, you know, this forced retirement was. We'll talk about that. Actually, easy. I don't think we got into yeah, your, so, it. With the um, last year at the last like four games of the season, I was having like really, you know, bad, like groin pain, hip flexor, high hamstring glute. And it was more than like the norm that I was feeling. And so I got married in November. The season ended in October and I rested pretty much up to the wedding. And then, you know, I started getting back into it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It was a third off. Um, Yeah. And so, you know, afterwards I started getting back into things and I started like my back was kind of hurting and then my hip would hurt and alternate. And then I finally got to a pretty healthy point. And then in late January, you know, sprinting, I went to cut. Um, and I felt my back just like, who oh, is so painful. And I drove up to actually hang out with you guys in Charlottesville, um, oh that gosh. weekend back brace. I was like, with my back brace. Cause I had a previous, I previously had a bulging disc when I was in high school. Um, nothing crazy. Went back in, um, didn't have any nerve pain, just back pain. And then I was good to go. Um, but it never, you know, it, you know, I rested a full week. I saw my chiropractor. And then I tested out and it was still, I was still in so much pain. I was like, it's definitely a bulging disc. Like I need an MRI, whatever. And I was just expecting to see a bulging disc, but on the MRI, it showed that um, my L4, L5 was super degenerative. So all the discs on the MRI were white, except this one. And it was very bad, very black. Um, And yeah, so with a degenerative disc, it's never going to fully heal. Um, I was also getting like nerve pain in my leg my left leg um you know i'm 24 i want to have a family i want to be able to do things with my family i want to have kids right um so just kind of it took me about honestly about four weeks to kind of come to terms with it and um you know it was a really difficult decision i prayed hard on it and you know i got some answers and I, i finally kind of came you know i was with pete at peace with it and, you know, Mark and Carl, the, the coaches in Orlando, were absolutely just phenomenal. And I, I love them to death. And, you know, the most, I guess, disappointing thing was I felt like I learned so much last year. And I was, you know, getting my feet underneath me. And right. I was really figuring out the league. And I was so, 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 so excited about this next season. Like, just so ready for it. Um so that made it really tough not being able to, you know, learn more from Mark and, and learn more from him as a player um, because he, I, I respect the hell out of him. Yeah. So that made it difficult. But the fact that 
it was an injury that like forced me to, you know, give it up. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, I, I ask, I always ask like, you know, like why so young, right. Could have been like three more years, but at some point I would have had to, you know, given up soccer, yeah. um, playing it at least. And, you know, my time was now and my body just couldn't do it anymore. And it also, you know, kind of not makes me feel better, but, you know, once my back was kind of healed up, I started, you know, running and or attempting to run and, and do exercises in my hip, you know, still wasn't right. So I, you know, I was like, listen, I need an MRI on this thing. Uh, two weeks ago, I got my MRI and there's a pretty large tear in my hip labrum that I'll have to have surgery on. So, you know, for me, my body just, my body can't, yeah, my body's telling me something and I just can't, I can't go on with it. I just physically can't. If I'm I'm 24 and have two ACLs, a degenerative disc, two bulging discs, and now a hip labrum, um, at such a young age, I need to, to be mindful of that. Um, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of people that are, um, in, you know, transition and for different Mm -hmm. reasons, I think. I know for me, mine wasn't um, necessarily due to injury. Um, I think for me, I just started to lose a little bit of my passion for it. And that kind of right away, based on my personality was like, if I'm not passionate about mm-hmm. it, do something different. Um, and even now I've been about two and a half years out and I still think I'm, I'm trying to find my way, you know, mm-hmm. back to school and things of that such. And, um, but I do think you're in this incredible time. And, and again, it's only been short a few months, mm-hmm. but you know, I think to end maybe talking a little bit about, you know, what this journey has been thus far in terms of this transition period, it's probably not been easy with the quarantine, stuff like that, but also maybe um, giving you some time, I think, with anything you do, whether you play the violin, or you play a sport, or you do one thing for 20 years of your life, and you've Mm -hmm. dedicated all this time and effort. And then one day, for whatever reason, you're, you're either forced, or you choose to transition, regardless of what the reasoning is, it's challenging. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, so what's kind of been that experience like, and kind of what have you at least started to try to put structure around it, you know, like in terms of finding what is your next passion? Um, yeah. Um, so for me, I've always, even when I was coming back from injuries and doing all those things, I always loved coaching. Um, my cousin was, uh, she played at uh, Clemson. We're about, 15 years apart. Um, she played at Clemson, clo- coached at Clemson, and coached at Alabama. So I'd run around with her recruiting trips when she'd come and watch the Castle Showcase. I'd, you know, be a little psychic. So I loved that aspect of the game, and, and I love development, and I love, you know, when I do individual training sessions, I love training kids. I really get a lot of fulfillment out of that. And so right now, my husband, um, Parker, is in the military, went to West Point, and we are currently in Columbus, um, Georgia, which is right outside of Atlanta. Um, he's at Fort Bidding, but he also has a hip injury. <laughs> so we don't really know how, how long we'll be here because he does have to get surgery. Um, so we don't know if we'll be medically discharged, if you know he'll stay in. We don't really know what's going on. So right now we're in limbo. Right. So we're just trying to figure that out. And you know, it's actually pretty funny. I ran into the Columbus State coach he lives kind of near us around we walk around this lake and um I ran into his daughter and then I ran into him and he was actually um 
he landed here about 15 years ago, but he was one of the, he was a head coach for the Carolina Courage when um, the Carolina Courage folded in the WUSA in WUSA. So he had, like, he worked with the national team. He, you know, he's well-established as a coach and his dad was in the military and he um, ended up here because it was like the only thing open once, you know, the league folded and the season was just about to start and he took his job and, you know, I ran into him and I've really enjoyed, you know, talking and I think I'm going to, you know, help out with their program for as long, you know, you don't, we don't know how long we'll be here. Um, but for the time being, um, I kind of, I kind of do a lot of side hustling, um, you know, probably Love do a little that. bit of that, a little a bit, a bit of individuals um, working with uh, Jordan Angeli and the ACL club. Um, it's, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal thing that needs to be, you know, highlighted. And, you know, I, I wrote some articles for soccer.com. So I'm just kind of dabbling in, in a lot and trying to find my passions outside of playing the game. Yeah. I think patience is important for people mm -hmm. to remember. Um, my my journey's been even longer out, and I still think I am experiencing the patient piece. And yeah, I think it's like anything; you can't expect to walk into something new and it be perfect. If it is, that's exactly. awesome, and kudos to you. But there's also that patient piece, and um, you know, I just want to say thank you. I think your story is incredible. Um, thank anyone you. It's an honor to know you. I'm very blessed to have you such a close friend. Um, and vice versa you came at you know <laughs> you talk about how you um, uh, came into your life but you also came into uh in my life at a time that you know was I came off of Chicago and I was in a huge transition even though um I was still playing I was in that transition of where, where am I going to go what's going to happen and you know I think you know we were putting each other's lives to kind of lean on at that point and and I'm so blessed to you know have you as a friend and let you hear my story yeah, I think and one not, and not bits. You always do bits. You don't get the I think, whole thing. I think honestly, life we all know this, especially right now, it's about uncertainty and and yeah. just trying to stay the course. And um, I'm hoping to get more people on. I think women right now, there's so many athletes that mm -hmm. are stars that are the lowest on the totem pole that just have incredible stories. So yeah, um, I'm hoping that somebody watches this and, and gets an opportunity to learn from it or relate to it in whatever sense. So Me thank too. you and thank you. I appreciate it a lot. So love you, Tina. Love you. <laughs> Bye. Girl. Bye.